It's time for episode 264 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, October 24th, 2018. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that seconds the motion. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I am joined across this internet of ours by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Micah Sargent. How are you doing, Micah? Your Honor, I object. <laughs> uh, sustained. Uh, I guess we can. I guess we can go with that. Very well. <laughs> In the South, apparently. Uh, <laughs> this is, of course, the show where we discuss four te- tech topics with two fantastic guests to my left this week. My former colleague from MacWorld and a senior editor at the Wirecutter, Mister Dan Frakes, is here. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? Hello. Good to be here. Thank you. Happy to have you. And to my left is senior cloud developer advocate at Microsoft. I was going to say Microsoft, and that's because I was reading <laughs> Chris Cream. I love this Chris Screamo Warren on Twitter. It is Christina Warren. Hello. Hello. Uh, so happy to have you back. It's been a while. It has, and I'm, I'm glad to be back. And uh, we're glad to have you back for these amazing topics, which we'll kick off now. Uh, so, starting things off, I'm, I have this little annoyance with the way that Apple's calendar app handles having the same event on multiple calendars. It's got, like, rather than, like, collapsing it to one event like some third-party calendars do, it has, like, gives me three copies of the same event. And it's just annoying. And I wish they would fix it. It's not enough to quite drive me away from the software. But I'm kind of curious if you guys have a tech nitpick with a product that you otherwise really like. Something that just, like, it's tiny and it drives you a little crazy, but not enough to make you abandon that product. Dan? I'm still trying to figure out why you have multiple ca- the same event on multiple calendars. <laughs> Sorry, wait. They're shared calendars. So, like, some, like my fiancé and I have a calendar, and then I have calendars that are part of, like, larger groups, and sometimes I want to block out and have that calendar event so that, like, multiple different people know I've, I'm, I'm ah, occupied during this okay. time. So, yeah. Got it. All right. There you go. There's your explanation. Um, all right. Thank you. Now I, now I can move on with my life. Um, <laughs> 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 I'm going to talk about TiVo. Um, and that is because I still am a, I, I, I know I'm like a, a dying breed here, but I'm still a huge TiVo fan. Uh, oh, um, me too. Me too. Yeah. So it's, I mean, I, it's, I've tried like, you know, the Comcast DVR and the, uh, the, the, the AT&T DVR and stuff and TiVo still, but to me is like the, by far the best thing. But earlier this year, they updated their interface and it is like ruining TiVo for me. It's like everything that TiVo was was great about TiVo was that it was kind of like old school and it was super simple and easy to use. And they're like, let's put menus and pictures everywhere and make it as hard as possible for you to watch the shows you want to watch. And so um, I've actually got like, we have multiple TiVos in the house and I've walled off in like the secure enclave every TiVo that hasn't been updated yet. So it never gets updated. So um, it's not enough to make me stop using it, but man, is it bad. Okay, so for me, I think that this might not quite fit the spirit of of the law, uh, as we're definitely having a very (laughs) law-themed episode, it seems. But the thing that I'm going to complain about, it's kind of a beggars can't be choosers situation. But here I was begging for them, for them being Apple, to bring home to the Mac so that I could control my HomeKit gadgets on my Mac and use Siri on the Mac to do so. But what's missing and what doesn't make sense to me for not being included is a today widget. 
I think it would be nice because I do actually use that bar that, you know, the, the bar that slides out of the side of your screen that has notifications and the today uh, widgets. I use those uh, things and I use them pretty regularly. And so it would be really nice if within that today bar, I could have just a little widget that has like my most popular scenes, which is akin to what you get in Control Center on iOS. You can swipe down from the right side of your phone. You can, uh, you know, force or 3D touch and then the different home options, your favorite scenes and your favorite accessories are controllable there. And it would just be nice to have that to where I don't have to launch the home app, wait for it to load. And then finally I can scroll through and find the one thing that I want to do. Um, because as I've mentioned before, I'm a big control freak. And so I like to do those things by hand instead of asking, you know, who to do them and then having her fail me once again, <laughs> Christina, what about you? <laughs> so, all of the major uh, uh, operating systems at this point now have a, a dark mode. Um, finally, like a really good dark mode, like like uh, Mac OS Mojave has a dark mode, and, and Windows 10 just got a dark mode, and I love it. Right, like I, I'm I'm super excited, and this is something I've wanted for a really long time. But not every app supports it, and I know that this is one of those things where I'm like annoyed. Maybe I, I'm like I'm annoyed with multiple people. Like I'm annoyed with the <laughs> operating system makers because. You know, they didn't maybe make it as easy as, as it needed to be made for that stuff to get updated. Um, and I'm annoyed with like the app makers like like Chrome and yes, Microsoft Outlook for for not updating because then everything doesn't look correct. And, and, and it's one of those things where you try to get your aesthetic just right and and it just sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah, that is that is definitely annoying. Having played around with the dark mode on Mojave for sure, especially websites. You go to a website and it's like, no, here's bright, blinding white pages for you. I'm looking at this uh, sheet, this Google sheet right now, and it's like, this is the brightest thing in my office. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you have backlight because of you know the, the the Chrome browser is just like so white in front of everything. You're like, come on, yeah, come on, please, guys. come on, get with the Be program, dark. everybody. <laughs> Uh, those are all good nitpicks. Uh, I hope that some of the I'm I'm think that your your TiVo ship has sailed, Dan. <laughs> good luck with, with that. But maybe some of these I, other ones will get fixed along the yeah, way. I, so. I love the value judgment there at the end. Like your nitpicks are good, but Dan, you're li- I, there's nothing <laughs> you're wrong with enough. Dan's nitpick. It's just I don't think they're gonna the, <laughs> I don't think they're gonna come back around for him there. Sorry. Once again, I object. <laughs> well, while you object, let's move on to the next topic, which comes from Mr. Freaks himself. All right, so it, it's getting to be holiday time of year and so over at Wirecutter one of the things we do is we put together gift list um, recommended recommendations for gifts things like that and one of the questions we always ask everybody is like what's something that 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 you bought in 2018 that you just love and uh, a lot of these are big things you know like cars blenders dishwashers but there's also like a lot of little little things that you know cost like 10 or 15 20 bucks and that at the end of the year, you're like, oh, man, I'm so glad I bought that. And so tell me about something you bought in 2018 that you absolutely love that um, is hopefully, preferably something pretty inexpensive, but brought disproportionate joy to your life. Oh, no. I feel like I'm playing Secret Santa, but I didn't read the part where you can only spend $20. <laughs> uh, okay. So I'm going to I'm gonna cheat, but then I'm going to fix it. Um, I 
this year bought an Ultimate Ears Boom 3. And like it just came out not too terribly long ago, but it is the Ultimate Ears Boom 3 portable. Uh, it's like a, it's a wireless speaker that is waterproof. They actually call it waterproof. I love listening to music and podcasts and audiobooks and all kinds of things while I'm in the shower. Um, I am, uh, I am known for my love of showers, which is kind of odd, but I am, I, I, I very much like being the shower. And I love having uh, the ability to listen to music or or what have you while I'm in there. Um, but also the fact that this is like it, it, this thing floats and it's, it's, it's loud and it sounds very good. Um, I mean, it's not as obviously it's not as good as something like the HomePod or some other more expensive and more, you know, uh, 10, 15 tweeters or however much, but the sound quality at the size that it is and the the thing that's most ridiculous is how long the battery lasts. I take this thing around, like I don't just use it in the shower. I will walk from room to room in my house listening to an audiobook and I could just like hold it in my hand. It's got a little loop so I can like stick it on my belt if I wanted to. I love this thing. It goes with me all over the house and puts out fantastic sound. Now, the way that I'm going to fix this, because that is a $150 product, is to say that there are loads of different... They're all like made by the same company, uh, by a manufacturer somewhere in China, but they're a, a little white speaker, and they are made for the shower. And it was an exceptional device that I used for years before I ended up upgrading to this one. And that thing was like 30 bucks at the most. Yeah, I've got, so I've got one of those. I think it's a SoundBot is the one I have. Yeah, yeah yes. Yeah. yeah, so still sort of breaking the Secret Santa rule, but that's okay. 30 bucks versus 150 And so basically, I'm just saying, I think everybody could really enjoy a shower speaker of some sort. I just want to know how you clipped it to your belt in the shower. That's my only question. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very complicated shower routine. <laughs> but for uh, the record, 150 is fine. You know, I'm, oh, I'm yes. just, I didn't want you to go to like, you know, my my new dishwasher my is Tesla. the best thing ever. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well. Good. Good. Thank goodness. All right, Christina. What about you? Okay. So, if one fifty is fine, is is five hundred fine or no? <laughs> <laughs> We're really pushing the envelope here. Rel- relatively inexpensive is a relative term. <laughs> okay, because honestly, the best thing that I've bought this year was the new Dyson Airwrap, the the hair styling tool. Ooh. It's like a hair dryer and a curling iron thing in one, and I got it a couple of weeks ago, and it's already changed my life. And it's ridiculously expensive. I'm not trying to claim that it that it's not, but uh, it's certainly cheaper over time than doing a lot of blowouts. Uh, but in the spirit again of secret Santa things, um, because I was trying to think back, like a lot of the stuff that I've bought this year that I've really loved, unfortunately has been pricier. Uh, I, um, I've, I've been traveling a lot this year. I've been to a lot of places. I've been on airplanes a lot. And one of the annoying things with that, um, is that, uh, at this point, almost all of my headphones are wireless. And so you can't use them with the in, you know, flight entertainment system. So, um, uh, 12 South made and, and other companies make similar things. Um, but I liked 12 South because it's mm-hmm. white and, um, uh, has like a good aesthetic, um, uh, make this thing called the Airfly, which basically is, it, it'll work with any pair of Bluetooth headphones, but it's basically a blue and it'll work with the Nintendo switch, but it'll, it'll, it's basically like a, a Bluetooth, um, connector. So, and it has like a, an eight hour battery in it. So you basically just like connect it to, um, a headphone jack and it gives you bluetooth um to that device so 
um, if you want to use your AirPods or your, your nicer, um, uh, noise canceling headphones on an airplane, but watch the movie that's on that system. Cause some of the systems are, have, have, have big movie things and maybe you don't want to use your, your iPad or whatever. Um, I highly recommend it. It, it really is, is, uh, cause it's super small and, uh, easy to set up and, uh, it's, a uh, definitely improved the way I travel. Nice. Well, Dan, I'm going to stick to the letter of the law here. I've got two for you that are both relatively cheap. One is, uh, you know, last year I bought an iPhone 10 and it had wireless charging, which is the first time I had wireless charging in a in a one of my smartphones. And so I bought a Samsung wireless charger. And what I really like about this Samsung wireless charger is that it's like one of the angled ones. And so I have it right in front of my iMac here on the desk. And when I'm, you know, basically whenever I'm sitting at the desk, I put my phone out and I pop it right down on there. And the what I like about the angled thing is not only can I easily read the screen, but because of the way Face ID works, if I just like sometimes an alert will pop up and I just look at it i just move my head down it will automatically unlock and show me the displays i don't have to touch the phone at all uh and i actually just really like it it reminds me to like keep my phone somewhere so i don't lose my phone as much uh and it charges it all the time so my phone always has a pretty good charge going and i think it's like the one i bought is like 35 dollars or something so it's relatively cheap and then my second is cost me six dollars and it's not it's uh, semi-technological i have a mic that i take traveling with me when i uh you know go on trips and i need to record podcasts on trips and i bought a nice cheap shock mount for it which is great but it came with this really crappy plastic tripod and it was the tripod was too low and so i found in my collection of crap from years past a metal (laughs) telescoping tripod that was intended for like a little uh camera Except it had a different screw size than the shock mount. So I went on Amazon and found a, a an adapter that would let me screw it into this tripod. So now I have this extensible tripod that actually like reaches to the, the height of my mouth. And, you know, $6. And now I have this really awesome portable studio that fits in a tiny little bag. And I can take it wherever I go. So that was the best $6 I have spent in a really long time. <laughs> All right. Well, for me... There's a lot of things I could have picked, but I was really I was looking for me. I'm like, what what was really cheap this year that I loved? And um, so, even though things are moving towards USB C everywhere, I think it's probably true that most of us still have a ton of things like Bluetooth headphones, headsets, you know, speakers, battery packs, whatever that use micro USB. And micro USB is the worst connection <laughs> ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, it's tiny, flimsy, directional. Every time you try to plug in, you like. You like you're like okay. I think I got it. Oh no, wait. I think is that backwards? I can't see. Wait, give me some light. Oh yeah, it is backwards. Let me turn. Okay, now it's right. But it, it's just like you know, it's a it's a pain in the in the you know. Um, <laughs> and so and and I've gotten spoiled right between lightning connectors and USB C, like everything else. I just stick there and it goes in and there's no problem. So um, I found on Amazon earlier this year reversible micro USB cables mm. and like. These aren't officially to the micro USB spec. There's no nothing in the micro USB spec that says these should be reversible. So companies basically are just making these and hoping they work right. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but I, I got a set of these and they were like ten dollars for three. There was like a foot one, a three foot one, a six foot one, and um, you know nothing will fix US, micro USB. It's just a bad thing. But with these, like I can almost always plug in on the first try, and so everywhere in my house I've got micro USB things to charge. I've swapped them out for these, and every time I use them, I'm like, ah, that was so much nicer than it used to be. <laughs> so it's the little things in life. It, it is the little things in life. All right, that is two topics down, two topics to go. But first, of course, it is 
halftime here at Clockwise, and to tell you about today's halftime sponsor, Micah, take it away. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by our dear pals at Casper. Casper is a company that's focused on sleep, and they're dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. Here is a statistic that may blow your mind. You spend a third of your life sleeping. Now, if you spend a third of your life doing anything, don't you think you'd want to make sure it was the absolute best it possibly could be? Well, that's where Casper comes in in. So what goes into making a Casper mattress so comfortable? Well, they combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress with just the right sink and bounce. Casper mattresses are designed and developed in the U.S., and their breathable design helps to regulate your body temperature throughout the night. And with over 20,000 reviews and an average rating of 4.8 stars, Casper is quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Oh, by the way, they also deliver directly to your door, and your purchase has Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep on it trial. I have talked before about Casper because I'm kind of a Casper fanatic. I have the Casper bed, the Casper box spring, I think is what it's called, the, or it's the Casper foundation, the Casper bed frame, Casper pillows, Casper this, Casper that. I'm wearing Casper socks today, folks. I really like Casper. And that is because it is genuinely the best sleep I've ever had. I know that like you hear that across different podcasts, but it's so true. Now, if you want to give this a go, you can get 50 dollars towards select mattresses by going to casper.com slash clockwise and using clockwise at checkout terms and conditions do apply that's casper.com slash clockwise with the offer code clockwise and thanks so much to casper for their support of this show and relay fm all right now that halftime's over here's my question for you i pulled out my iphone 10 yesterday and you know the old phone. And I realized that despite having these gigantic hands that I have, I really do sort of miss that smaller mm. size. I was holding it in my hand and it felt so nice. And oh, it made me kind of feel, I don't know, I started giving my uh, iPhone XS Max some maximum side eye because of it. And I'm curious, when is the last time, what's your story for the last time you had kind of like tech remorse or tech regret? Christina, we'll start with you. Yeah, so um, I I regret the HomePod. Uh, I I I it 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 was one of those things. In in all honesty, I bought it. I think that I kind of had the intention of returning it, but I also kind of knew myself and knew that probably wasn't going to happen. And um, yeah, no, I I, I regret the HomePod. Um, I don't have enough HomeKit things to really make it worthwhile in that sense, and certainly not more than any of the other you know Zigbee and and other kind of you know. Um, um, home protocol things that would work with with other assistants, mm-hmm. and although the sound quality is great, I think that the sound quality on the Sonos One, especially if you get two of them, is equally. Uh, I, I think the, the the two of them paired together is is equally good, and it costs the same amount of money. Plus, it's Sonos and works with more things. Uh, yeah, I mean I, that was just that was like a three hundred and fifty dollar really expensive wireless speaker that works with Apple Music and my stuff, and that's it. And uh, I, I I feel like really burned on that i feel like i i should have taken that money and invested in more sonos stuff to be totally honest oh i'm gonna use that as the perfect launching off place to talk about how disappointed i am in my sonos one 
I love it. Uh, and I got, I really was so jazzed about getting this. You know, it's a Sonos speaker that I could put in my kitchen to replace the Echo because it's got all the, uh, the, vi- the virtual assistant stuff built in. But mine has given me no end of trouble. Like, it will just routinely not respond. And will you know stand over it yelling the wake word and he'll just sit there resolutely not answering things he'll have these weird bouts of just being it's it's literally like dealing with a sullen teenager and it kind of drives me nuts it definitely drives my fiance nuts and every time she starts doing it last night she just gave up trying to sit like a timer or something while we were cooking and she's like you know what forget it and started setting the timer on the stove instead and i'm like oh i feel like i'm in trouble now for introducing this into the kitchen and replacing because she really loved the original echo but i really wanted the ability to have the Sonos speaker like you know LinkedIn playing in the kitchen as well so I'm feeling a lot of pressure about potentially replacing that with the Echo instead and I really wanted to love the the Sonos one but it feels like Sonos has not paid that much attention to it and there are cases where it really works very very badly so yeah I'm disappointed so I think my biggest ever tech regret was probably buying a DJI DJI drone they're kind of like they're the big name. Everybody says get them. But like this is like four years ago or something. I bought one and it never charged. And I went through their tech support for literally two years um, trying to get a working unit. And, um, you know, but the initial thing was like, here, send it in. And then they wouldn't get back to me. It took months before they got back to me. By the time they got back to me, I couldn't like contest the charge on my credit card. And I went back and forth for literally two years with them. And I finally just gave up and recycled the whole thing. And I will never buy a DJI drone, no matter how good they are ever again. Wow. Yeah. So that's my, uh, it's a really long story. So I'm not going <laughs> to tell the whole thing here. <laughs> well, we, we appreciate uh, that. And we also appreciate all of the, all of the regrets that we've had. And I'm so sorry that we've, you know, had to experience these things. Luckily, there are lots of fun things that we've talked about too. We don't regret those things that uh, Dan asked us about. So that's good. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the last topic, which comes from Christina. All right. So there's been a lot of uh, calls for uh, and a lot of discussion around the the, the Bloomberg um, uh, big hack story. And there's been a lot of calls for it to be retracted. And without debating the, the merits or dismerits of, of that story, how should companies or publications handle retractions and apologies, do you think? I know this isn't a tech topic per se, but I've been thinking a lot about this because it's not just, you know, publications that make mistakes. Sometimes, you know, companies um, uh, release products that have issues or, or have to go back and say, hey, this, this, uh, this, this charging pad that we announced a year ago is never actually coming out. Um, <laughs> just as an example. So, so, so how, how, how should these things be handled? Uh, I mean, I think there are a lot of very clear and very easy things companies can do here. And a lot of times they're just resistant to doing so. Publications as well. Uh, proactiveness is a big one. Like waiting for an apology to get dragged out of you is really not going to do you any favors, right? People don't inherently want to apologize uh, even if they know they've made mistakes because they feel like it makes them look bad. Well, it makes it look a lot worse if you drag your heels until somebody finally forces you to apologize. Uh, that's not going to do your PR any favor either. Uh, also making good as much as possible. Like if you're a company and it's a product that doesn't work, like you're, you know, sold Dan Frakes a faulty drone, for example, (laughs) you know, Mm. make good on it, make it easy to, for people to get redress and to, you know, return things or get refunds. Uh, and then be concrete about what your plans are for the future. And I throw that especially to companies like Facebook, right? Which is like these huge data breaches or stuff like that. It's like, yeah, okay, the cat's out of the bag. You can't do anything necessarily about fixing what already happened. 
but give us some really concrete explanations of what you're going to do better next time uh, because otherwise why should we ever trust you again and all these things work in these companies and publications favor because your biggest element of all this is trust and if you lose that it's really hard to get it back yeah, Dan kind of took all my answers there. Um, <laughs> so, I, I, in summary, sp- speed, you know, re- just responding early on rather than, like you said, dragging it out. Um, owner, owning the problem, saying, you know, we screwed up. Transparency, just making it clear, like, what's going on so everybody knows what's going on. And then, you know, making good, like Dan said. Um, I think that those things, if you do those, you're going to get. Even if you screw up really bad, you're going to get a lot of crap for it, but at least people respect the company and trust it. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is that when you, when the companies try to like avoid owning up to stuff or try to delay it coming out, it just, you know, it ruins trust and then nobody's going to trust the company later, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with those things. I think uh, in terms of companies, you both have done a fantastic job of covering um, what we probably all agree on here. Uh, when it comes to publications, I think about, you know this this idea that the the juicier story will always carry farther than any follow-up story that is the truth or any sort of story that is kind of you know a, a boring take on things there's plenty of psychological uh reasoning behind all of that and why we want the shock and awe over you know some story that's just like oh by the way all of that stuff that you were super enraged about before yeah that's not not actually true or you know this is why this isn't true and so the problem is a lot of times the damage is already done and i see that regularly when you know i i visit home every once in a while and i sort of am like the face of apple (laughs) whatever i'm home (laughs) and so my family will ask me about all these different things that they'd heard on the news and it's like okay let's go through this okay this isn't true this is true but this is what you need to know about this and it's oftentimes, you know, Apple will put out a press release or some other company will put out a press release to sort of clap back uh, in in the parlance of today, uh, some of those things that are said, but those stories aren't the ones that get out there. Though, you know, the, the damage has been done, it's already out there, and people don't follow up and hear the stories afterward. And so... I, you know, I'm a little bit too jaded about this to believe that a publication would ever do such a thing, but I do wish that a publication would follow up with education and, and reparations in terms of getting the true story out there and making sure that it's clear because some sort of like, you know, note at the bottom of, of, an article that everybody's already clicked on and isn't going to come back to is not enough. And the damage has been done in that case. And there's, there's sort of no going back. So I somehow, I wish the publications would be better about that kind of thing and would uh, do their best to try and get the fixes out there just as well as they got the, you know, original story that got them a bajillion clicks, but I'm too cynical for that. So Christina, any last thoughts? Yeah, no, I think I think you got. Uh, I think everyone uh, uh, kind of kind of covered it. Um, but uh, I, th- I think transparency. I think being uh, open, uh, being proactive, is probably the thing that I think helps the most. And that's usually, I think, where I, I personally get the most annoyed is when things drag out and then the the the, the apology or the retraction comes weeks or months later. And uh, 
when, when, as you said, the damage has already been done either from a reputational standpoint or from a customer service standpoint. Well, we'll be proactive right here uh, by going to our bonus topic, since that is four topics down. (laughs) But first, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by App Optics, a DevOps tool from our friends at SolarWinds. The folks at SolarWinds want to break down the divide between applications and metrics. Instead, they want to bring together dashboards, alert monitoring, and management all in one place. You've already got too much to do. You don't want to be navigating a ton of different interfaces. App Optics is monitoring that you can afford to run everywhere. Every minute spent finding a problem is expensive. With App Optics, you'll know if you're having an outage, reduce outage time, and get the visibility to solve it faster. You'll get a bird's eye view across all your resources on a single pane of glass, and it's super quick and easy to drill into the details. They offer a ton of great features like built-in integrations for over 150 cloud-first applications, instant visibility into server and infrastructure performance, robust custom metrics dashboards, and automated APM request tracing. All of that adds up to faster troubleshooting. AppOptics is SaaS hosted, easy to manage, and budget-friendly. This is why over 275,000 customers already trust SolarWinds for the performance data they need. AppOptics lets developers and operation teams get back to doing what they're great at, which is delighting their users. This stuff is so important because monitoring visibility helps solve problems faster, but it also prevents problems in the first place. Gain visibility into your applications and infrastructure and catch performance issues before your customers do. To learn more or try it free for 14 days, just go to appoptics.com slash clockwise. That's appoptics.com slash clockwise. Our thanks to AppOptics for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. And now a very quick bonus topic for you. Yeah, what's your favorite dinosaur? Everybody's got one, right, Dan? I asked my kids about this. What should I say is my favorite dinosaur? And the universal, or the, the unanimous answer was Baby Sinclair from the uh, TV show Dinosaurs. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Good answer. Wow. Okay. I'm, Micah? I'm kind, of, I'm kind of annoyed that wasn't mine. Um, I really just like duck-billed dinosaurs. There are quite a few of them. But ever since The Land Before Time and Ducky, I, mm. that, I've always loved duck-billed dinosaurs. <laughs> Uh, speaking of the land before time, like mine would be would definitely be Littlefoot. Yes. That's mine because Littlefoot for the win. Uh, I'm going to pick birds. No, uh, I'm going to pick Archaeopteryx, which is a bird-like dinosaur because it's fun to say and impossible to spell. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is the end of our show. All that remains is for us to thank our wonderful guest, Dan Frakes. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Glad to be here. And Christina Warren, thank you so much for being here. Great being here. And Micah, I guess this court is now out of session or something like that. (laughs) I no longer object. (laughs) Well, we will be back next week. But until then, we remind all of you listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.